Well, today is an awesome day. We come to the completion of the last Sunday of January 2009 and the last of a series. Let me invite everybody to stand with your Bibles if you have one. And if you'll turn to the 40th chapter of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, stand with God's Word and I want to read to you. And this is a habit from of old, as they would gather in the temple for the reading from the Torah, from the Scriptures. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 and following. Very popular text for those that have been around the Scriptures. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk, and they will not be faint. That's God's promise to us, that He hasn't called us to be chickens, but He's called us to be eagles that will soar on the Most High God if we place our complete, total faith in Him. And this morning, as we come to the end of this series, I'm going to talk to you today about letting go of the strings and hopefully building in that they would have wings, that they would mount up and fly with God and honor Him. You can be seated. Well, it's part four. We need wings. This has really been a fun series, and I've often thought about when our kids were younger. I think about your kids. I ride by your house, or I see your garage stuffed, or whatever. And you know, it's kind of a crazy, fun chaos. The garage is full of toys and balls and bicycles and just all kind of mess. Your tools are all strode around, aren't they, Dad? You can't find anything. They're in the backyard. Screwdrivers rusting. Your skill saw got left out in the rain. Oh, Dad, I forgot. Buy a new one. You know, just use that plastic thing. I mean, just all kind of things happen around the house. The floor makes this unusual sucking noise as you walk across the kitchen floor. You know what I'm talking about. It's called dirt. If you have girls, and it could be boys, you can't find your clothes because they have chosen to borrow an article. And the women said, okay, well, you don't live in our house. There's no trace of french fries and crayon that make up the interior of your car. You can actually look through the back window and where there's nose and handprints, you can now see through the glass clearly. You don't stay up late anymore to wait on them to come in and make sure they're safe. You go to bed when you want because they're grown. But somehow in the midst of this, your house now is calm, quiet, clean, organized. And yes, empty. But they tell me that something great awaits us, and some of you are there. It's called grandparents. And you can make the proverbial call to your kids and go, hey, could the grandkids come over? Because you want a little action in your house so they can destroy and make your house the same way. Do I have a witness? That's just life, man. They just kind of start here and they grow up. And we have this equipping and training and coaching from birth till we release them. And we still coach and speak into their lives I suppose I'll always want to try to tell my daughters how to do something, but it's a different role. Whose idea is this in the first place? To leave home. Some of you are like, man, I've been waiting for the day that my kids would leave home. I've been praying for the day. Some of you are ecstatic when you take them off to university or they leave home or they do something or they walk down the aisle and you cry and you're a blubbering idiot. You know what I'm saying? But the creator, designer, God came up with this concept that we should leave. Genesis 2 and 24, for the reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, leave, cleave, and become one. God's 
original, perfect, divine design. He's an awesome God, isn't he? And he created, but now there's a generation called the boomerang. You raise them up, you send them to university, you send them to trade school, they go out on their own, and somehow they determine to come home. Yes, sometimes with a mate, sometimes with kids, you go, oh my goodness, what have I done? I pray that that would only be for a season. But we have different generations, and we'll talk about generations as we get into this morning. But I know this, Scripture promises that all things are possible, even raising kids. Building courage into their hearts when they're in the midst of peer pressure, and things are tough, and, and, and they have to make decisions. And I want you to write this in the, in the margin today. I think we should raise kids and grandkids that are Daniels and Esthers. They're men and women, they will be. They're boys and girls that should be built with a possibility of faith that they can accomplish incredible things for the glory of God, that all things are possible. Even the giants that seem insurmountable in their life can diminish and can fade away through faith in Christ. We should show our sons and daughters, how do we, how do we depend on God? How do, we, how do we do that thing right? And God wants us to do that. But let's look at this point here. Did I, did I cover that? Did I get ahead of myself? Help your kids to discover. You know, this discovery thing is an amazing thing. We're uniquely and creatively made to be an original, not a copy. And God wants to do these incredible things in our life. And, and so we learn to depend on Him, hopefully. And we want to train our kids to learn to depend on God and not on their intellect or their ability or their looks or even other people. There's a time for networking. I'm about network. But you also teach your kids to learn to develop friends. Friends that will stick with them in the midst of school and situations and temptation. I'm a blessed man. I have one of my best friends in life. We met when we were five years old in the Romeo and Juliet kindergarten. He was bigger than me and he could push the... Uh, Mary go around faster than anybody else. And I got on and hung on. And he laughed. And today we still enjoy an incredible laughter and a friendship. And I think about the people that God has planted into my life and in your lives. Do you have those people in your life that you have learned to depend on them? And you discover those friendships. You see, I was looking at Scripture and I thought of Paul and Silas and Peter and John and Moses and Aaron. And we could go through a whole list of characters of Scripture. And they had one another. And there's an important principle here. There is great strength in an ally. There is great strength in a companionship of a friend of one or two or five or ten or twenty. But do you have that close friend that you lean on, that they spur you on to godliness? Proverbs 15, 14 says, The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of the fool feeds on folly, foolishness, craziness. That's what they feed on. But the one that is wise, they discern and they seek the mind of God, the mind of Christ. They get after Proverbs eleven twenty seven. It'll come up. He who seeks good finds goodwill, but evil comes to him who searches for it. What are you searching? What have you raised your kids to search for? Or you're saying, well, that's not a tough one. To search for righteousness. To search for the things of God. That's awesome. Well, some people can't say that in this room, but it's never too late to begin to search. And, and we search and we search. And, and I've thought about this discovery thing because God says, I want you to help your kids discover. I think the best place for discovery I remember is a t-ball field. Don't you love t-ball fields? You go out to a t-ball field and your little boy or girl signs up and they have the uniform and they go out to play. And in the midst of this, they go out and you bring grandparents and uncles and aunts and people from the cul-de-sac and you're there to cheer your kid. And your kid's just walking around out in the outfield, picking dandelions, picking bugs. And my favorite 
thing that I love to see is when a kid just puts a glove on his head and he spins around and he entertains himself. Kids will do the darnest things, won't they? And you know, that's just a discovery, man. They're, they're just into it. Well, you know, this right here. Sorry, Hannah. Oh, you big time for this one, baby. I love this photo. This right here sits on my desk amidst hundreds of pictures in my office. So many times I've longed to return to that little girl when I was so busy growing ministry. And I never will forget that. She was a proud little girl. We went over, we were in part of the YMCA, and we signed her up to play t-ball. Oh, Dad, I'm going to love t-ball. This is going to be fun. I said, oh, come on, baby. And we went, and she got her shirt and her hat. She was so proud. She rode home with me that night from the Y. She looked at me. She said, Dad, I've been thinking. Yes, sweetie, what you been thinking? She said, you know, I'm thinking now I'm not going to play t-ball anymore. Now, we just got the uniform. She says, Dad, I got a shirt and I got a hat. That's all I need. It's over. And during that season, she was the most incredible little kid. She would hold her bat backwards, and she almost took the umpire out one game. And it was just fun. And she had so much fun. And I'd watch those little friends. And some of them were real competitive. And some of them were like, man, we're just having fun. And we're crayons and whatever. We're just, we're just life. But there it is. Discovery. It's part of what we do with our kids. We raise them to discover God, hopefully. We raise them to discover incredible things in our life because kids need wings. But let me move on to this because I want you to see there. There's a story about how quick kids are to observe. A guy named Bruce Larson, he was with his wife one day and they were driving down the road and they came across this naturalist camp. It's called a nudist colony. A little girl and boy were in the back seat and he turned to his wife and says, man, I hope they don't see anything or are damaged permanently. And they were riding down the road and here comes this series of people and they're on their bicycle. And a little boy in the back seat says, hey, mom, he's not wearing his helmet. And you know, kids, they pick up the strangest things. And thanks God, that's all they saw. He wasn't wearing his helmet. You know what I'm saying? But kids discover things. They're into things. They, they seek life. They're, help them discover the freedom that Jesus Christ brings to life. Coach Dan, man, we want to thank you for letting us discover the joy of being an AUM Senator fan yesterday. Girls, we are so proud of y'all. Y'all kicked butt in the house. It was fun yesterday. We love watching you. Man, I was like, I know her. I know her. I didn't teach them nothing, but they're fun. And Coach Dan, he looked so suave. He had a suit on. You know, we don't wear suits at Christ Community. And he looked so good, and his assistant coach looked good. The players looked good. He, let me tell you, he's passionate. He gets fired up. He yells. He says, Preacher, that's why I like you, because you get fired up. I said, Dan, you're my hero. I got so moved, I went home, I almost shaved my head to be like you, Coach. I just got excited. You know what I'm talking about? The man's got game. He's passionate. They were 30 points ahead, and he had to like they were 30 down. Girls, y'all ain't got a chance. Just hang in there. You know what I'm saying? But it's good. Discover. Discover what God's got for you. Second point. Help kids dance their own dance. Kids have a dance. They have a rhythm that God's given them. Give them the freedom to be who God created them to be, not who you want them to be. Uh-oh. Their own personalities and temperaments and moods and spiritual gifts. And say, God, I want to be who you want me to be. Proverbs 22, 6, a passage that I've referred to through this series. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is not, when he is old, he will not do what? He won't turn. He won't depart from it, says one translation. I did a little more study. I want you to write down the word train. 
And I want you to write down three words that are very important about the training process. Discipline, desire, and dedicate. Discipline, desire, and dedicate. Build into them the disciplines of faith, the discipline of life. It's an important thing that God wants to build. And, 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 and then this desire. This desire is to pursue Christ, to have a heart for God, to go after God. In, in the Hebrew, in the midwife, the midwife had several jobs. One of her jobs was she would take some, uh, some uh, rubbed, crushed dates or olive oil, and she would rub it on the inside of the mouth of the infant. And in doing that, it created this sucking desire for nourishment. She knew how important it was for that newborn to be nourished by her mom. I just ask us, how are we helping our kids be nourished by the Almighty God to know God, to love Him? And then we just dedicate them to God. And it says, you try to put a child in the way she go, and, and, and the way, the word way means bent. They have a unique direction that they're going, a propensity to walk in this manner of way. Encourage them to dance their dance, their original dance, not yours. I remember when Rachel was little. I don't have a picture of this. Don't worry. I wish I did. I had gotten this basketball goal from a guy I worked with in Caterpillar many years before I went into ministry. Rachel was like about a year old, and I got it for her. Coach, I was thinking I was going to train her to be a basketball player. And so I had this basketball go, and it had a tire and cement, and I got a hernia getting it in. The thing weighed zillion pounds, and it was about this high. And one day I said, Rachel, I, I was waiting for her to get big and get coordination. I said, man, it's time. We're going to play ball, Jay. We went out there. And you remember that, Rachel, baby? Please forgive me. And we, and we, and we walked out, and we played ball in the driveway. And I was kind of throwing it to her. Hey, throw it, you know, do it like this. And, you know, and, and she looked at me. She said, Dad, she goes, I don't want to. I don't want to. I said, what, what you talking about? I mean, Michael Jordan was big. Like, you want to play? She goes, Dad, I don't want to. She goes, I'm going to go back in and help Mom. And she sashayed with her little blonde hair curl. And she went in the house. And I stood in the driveway. I know you coach Dan. Like, man, she ain't going to be playing for that UM Center. I don't know what's going on here. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, I have created her with unique gifts. And I'm going to make her into what I want her to be, not what you want her to be. And I said, yes, Father. I never bugged her about playing basketball again. But she did become a classically trained violinist. She did become a worship leader. She sang on this stage for four straight years, her ninth or twelfth grade year of high school. She led the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ on this stage. She went off to college. She came back and became a children's minister for 38 months, and now she's a businesswoman, and the story continues to unfold. God taught me a principle. Let me make my daughter who I want her to be. So parents, listen to me. It's going to be tough. Some of you are like, my son's going to be a hunter. He might, he might think it's Bambi time. He might not want to be a hunter. There's like, I want my son, I want my daughter to be, I hope you don't want your son to be a ballerina. I want my daughter to be a ballerina. I want my son to sing opera. I want da-da-da-da. Man, let them be who God's created them to be. And the church said, it's an awesome thing. They don't have your gifts. And I, I'm amazed how many people, oh, man, I want them to be like me. I know you. You weren't any good when you were playing, so give it up. And if you were good, maybe they didn't get your gene. Maybe they got Uncle Fred's gene. And Fred, he couldn't even walk to the mailbox without bumping his head on the box when he opened it. You know, I don't know. I mean, God just gives different people different gifts. And aren't you glad God gives us different gifts? 
I am. I'm glad we're not all alike. So parents, listen here. Third thing, help kids dream big dreams. Big, impossible dreams. Do your kids have the potential and the possibility? And do they believe? Because I've been spurred on. Because I want you to hear this. Every time we tell our kids, you cannot do this. It is toxic. It discourages their little heart. When mom and dad, granddaddy and grandmama, uncle and aunt are the ones that should believe in them, tell them they can't do something. I say, kid, go for it. I wonder what President Obama, when he was a little boy, I wonder if he grew up and just say, I'm going to be president. I'm sure everybody said, yeah, whatever. But he's the president of the United States this morning. So I encourage all people in the house of faith to pray for our president. We were doing a lot of that right here Monday morning. And, you know, I just want to share this. Don't you want your kids to go farther and accomplish more in their life than you've ever done? Down and I always do that. We want our kids to be the brightest, the sharpest, network, love Jesus, exalt Him, accomplish, make more, do more, just, man, more. I wish my dad, I believe my dad wanted that for me. The only thing was he died before we ever started Christ community. My mom got killed when I was nine years old, so my parents haven't got to celebrate that. But thanks be to God for Donna, Rachel, and Hannah that celebrate the journey with me as we journey in life. Listen to Proverbs 16, 9. In his heart, a man plans his course, but then the Lord determines his steps. Oh, we can have goals, and we should have goals and dreams and aspirations, but ultimately, a sovereign, almighty, reigning king decides what will be done. Aren't you glad? He is in charge of his universe. He is our God. And I like what I read from Neil Postman. Children are the living messages we send to a time that we will not see. We send off those little kids. We model, we teach, we give, we have faith. And it takes action applied to the dream to make it become a reality. We pursue God. We teach them to pursue God. That's what Christians do. What Christ followers are about. We help them to go and do more. Dream big dreams. Ken Poor said this. God is somebody who never says oops. There's no accidents with God. He never says, oops, it didn't, I, he didn't wake up this morning. He says, oh my goodness, I forgot about you guys. God doesn't do that. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. He's not on vacation. Do you know God doesn't even turn on CNN to see what's happening in the world? He knows. He's a king that is omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-reigning. And we run to him, but many times we run to the TV. I wonder what the cable can tell me. It's ridiculous. And God says, I know all. Fourth, equip them with discipline. Equip your kids with discipline and, and strengthen them in that. Proverbs 12, 24 says, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. Laziness has no part in the life of a Christ follower. Amen? There's no place for it in the kingdom of God. God is not into laziness. He says, if you're lazy, you'll starve. Go to work if you're able. Work hard. Become a good leader. Have good work ethic. Use money management. Have constant, consistent disciplines with me. Walk with God. Love, justice, and mercy. Proverbs 5.23 says, He will die for a lack of discipline, but he led astray by his own great folly, by his own foolishness. He will go the other way. She will go the other way. Don't blame others. Take responsibility for what you're doing. Be disciplined. God uses discipline to grow and mature you and me in faith. God uses discipline to grow and mature us in life. And it's a beautiful thing. Proverbs 6.20. My son, keep your father's command. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. When she teaches you, when you're young and when you're old, when they teach you, when the church, when your educators teach you, listen to them. Do not forsake them. It's an awesome thing. 
But discipline, I like what this is. Discipline with the image of a rope in the mouth of a wild horse. Teaching and guiding and parting the horse with self-control to channel that magnificent strength of the animal into purpose and action. That's what it is to train one with discipline. Miss Keith, I want to honor you today and bless you. I want to thank you for being here. She was the principal for my girls. Both of them went to her elementary school. And for all you that sit with her today, you educators, you administrators, God bless your tribe. May y'all increase. May y'all be encouraged. I encourage us to pray for our schools. We do that around here all the time. Continue to pray for them. Pray for them by name as you know ones that teach your kids and have influence. May you live in your neighborhood. Number five, pray for godly discernment. God, I need discernment and wisdom and knowledge from you because we face many crossroads in this life. It's an invitation to be tempted. It's an invitation to mess up, to go astray, to have a hard time. But Proverbs 3.21, I love this passage. My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. Preserve it. Hold on to it. Cling tightly to discernment. Many of you have the spiritual gift of discernment. Some of you would do well to get the gift if you would ask him. He loves to give good gifts. And the gift of discernment is simply he gives promptings. Leadership of his Holy Spirit. How many times has a young person known from God, don't go to that party. Don't get in that car. Don't get in the back seat of that car. Don't go to that activity. Let's get bump it up to adults. Don't make that deal. It's unethical. It's immoral. Don't step into that relationship. You're brushing with sin. And the Holy Spirit just gives discernment. So my prayers, God, help us to be parents and grandparents that cry out from discernment. And we ask and we pray that our kids learn to discern the voice of God and His will for their life. And the church said a big, it's awesome. You can't go with them everywhere. You can't fix everything. You can't. But the Word is sufficient. The Word will frame our life. The Word needs to permeate our life. That's why every weekend I share so many scriptures because I want this word. See, I just believe when I give scripture, there's a verse, maybe verses, but there's at least one verse that is targeted just for you. It's a missile. And it runs out and it wants to target and resonate with truth. But last night I found one of the greatest verses. I love this. Lamentations 2.19. Listen to this. Lamentations 2.19. I've never seen this. I've read this book many times. And it, it, it just really spoke. So listen to this. Arise, cry aloud in the night at the beginning of the night. Watches, Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift up your hands to Him for the life of your little ones. That's what the New American Standard Bible says. I know that's been my habit for my girls. I love to walk in their rooms, especially when they were small. I would walk in and their day had ended. There was no activity, no homework, no whatever, no talk. And they were finally asleep. And I would just walk in and put my hand on them gently or I would put my hand over them and just pray in the night watch for protection and discernment and guidance and God's glory to be upon their life. Do you do that for your kids? If not, it'd be a great time. If teenagers, if you see mom and dad are coming, don't, don't mess them up. Don't scare them. Just let them come and pray. It's a great passage here. God gives us discernment. He gives us hope. But our job is to raise responsible kids. Or it's not to raise responsible kids. Jim Burr says it's to raise responsible adults. Adults that will leave home and will accomplish things great and mighty for his purpose. As kids become older, we should be acutely aware that we're losing control. Do you know what I'm saying? 
we're releasing strings into wings. We allowed him to now not walk and faint, but to soar and to rise like an eagle as Isaiah began to talk to us this morning. Sixth, raise and release kids for the glory of God. Raise them up that they would go out and they would be an investment in the eternal kingdom. They would bring blessing to him and that his word would be foundational, that his life, his life would be filling and dwelling in them and they would be filled with joy and hope and faith and confidence and strength and integrity and honor and they bless him. But the goal of biblical parenting is not what I'm fixing to say. Look there with me. The goal of biblical parenting is not to get a great education. I want to tell y'all, I thank y'all that y'all educate. Y'all do a great job. And education is needed and everybody wants a good education. All people said, education is important. But that's not the goal of biblical parenting. The second one is this. It's not to be a great athlete. You're like, well, I want my kid to score a lot of points. I want my kid to do this. It's my priority. And you are dragging your kid around to practice. Stop it. Maybe they don't even want to. And if they do, it's a cool thing. I love athletics. I spent my life doing that. I love that. But it's not to be a great athlete. The third thing, it's not to go on great dates. That's not the goal of biblical parenting, although dates are good. How many of you like to have dates with your parents? That's what I thought. Girls, raise your hands high. My girls aren't raising their hands. Okay. I've, been, I've embarrassed them. Sorry, girls. Y'all always tell me y'all enjoy it. Okay, here we go. Have, I know you do. Have a great career. Is that the goal of biblical parenting? Absolutely not. To be, to just, you know, have a great career. Man, we want your kids to be successful. That's a cool thing. But that's not it. Oh, but it's to make great money. Well, of course, we love for you to make more money. The tithes might go up around here. You know what I'm saying? But that's not the goal of biblical parenting. These things that I listed, education, being a great athlete, having great dates, uh, having a great career, making lots of money, that is a definition of worldly success, says David Platt. But the definition of biblical success, oh, here it is. Get ready to write. Ready? Here it is. It's important. It's critical. It's essential. The goal of biblical parenting is to help your children accomplish the Great Commission in their life. That they would fulfill the great commission by sharing, knowing, living, expressing, being devoted to the gospel of grace. And they live it for Christ. They serve Him and His eternal purposes. They serve Him. They love Him. You say, well, my goal is just to teach my kid how to swing the club or swing the bat. And those are good purposes. They're just not enough. God has more. How about if we spent more time helping our kids to learn to know God? to study the Word of God, to pursue God. That's a goal worthy of emulating this morning in our life. And this is what I'm always reminded of, and it's very humbling, but it's very true. My kids don't belong to me, and neither do yours. They belong to God. You're saying, nah, 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 my, hey, and you women are going, I birthed them. Hey, I got some ownership. Well, you, you were in the process, okay? And dad's going, hey, I've been helping pay bills and running around and helping. And, you know, I'm doing my part. Yeah, well, you had a part too. They belong to the Father. I remember we gave our kids early on to Jesus. I've tried to take them and hold them a few times because I like my kids. I like them to be close to dad. But they belong to Jesus. So we're not on this earth to earn a good income or have a big house and nothing wrong with that. But it's far too low of a goal to make it your goal in parenting. 
have a goal of creating wings that they can soar like the eagle. And the generations that we serve a generational God. As I was studying this week, I saw that the word generation was used 700 times in Scripture. God is all about generation. From generation to generation. Passing faith from generation to generation. In the faithfulness of the Almighty. You know, we've been on this 21-day fast around here. All portions of it. And I chose to do 21. I think today's day 15. It might as well be day 75. Every time I turn on TV, my flesh rises up. I've seen more good food, smell good food in the last week. I'm sick and tired of vegetables and fruit. I just want to throw up in Jesus' name. I feel like an Israelite. I told somebody yesterday at the basketball game, what are you talking about, Pastor? You're talking Israelite. They thought I had a spiritual nugget. I said, no, I'm going to tell you how sinful I am. I said, in the Old Testament, God provided manna daily, and they whined at God. And every time I've read that, I went, oh, a bunch of whiners, you bunch of babies. I had no compassion whatsoever. Now they are my absolute heroes of the month. Because God is providing substance for us that are on this fast. But we're believing Almighty God for something greater. So let me go ahead and give you a quick margin. I did a horrible job preparing us this year for this fast. It's coming again in 2010. I'm going to teach. We're going to preach. We're going to do it. The lost art of fasting. Some of you are going to say, I'm finding a new church between now and 2010. I want to build a biblical church that exalts the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every time I read Scripture, God keeps hammering me about fasting and praying. I've been ignoring it long enough, and I finally said, God, i got to go for it. And I want to feed my spirit man and starve the flesh that Christ can be exalted. And many of you are doing that, and you're an encouragement, and others are still considerate, and others think we're crazy. But I'm telling you, God is faithful. He wants to accomplish His great commission. And I think it comes with fervent intercession and prayer in living our life for Jesus. Amen? So, God has a pattern. Look quickly. 1 Thessalonians, I love this beautiful passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and following. He speaks to us here. He says, For you know that we, we dealt with you as a father deals with his own children. Here's the three things. Circle them in your Bible. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. That is our role, moms and dads. Encourage, comfort, and urge our children toward Christ's likeness to conform to the image of the Son of God. That is the purpose of God Almighty in this house. God is faithful. I was reading about Stu Weber. He was a guy I heard at Promise Keeper several years ago, and he made this comment. Millennia ago, the invention of the bow and arrow changed the face of warfare forever. For the first time, a warrior could impact the battle scene from a great distance. In a similar way, our children are the only messages we'll never see. They're the only provision we have for impacting a world at a distance. It's amazing. In the psalmist, he talked about the bow and the arrow and the arrow traveling. Our, in, in, in the Old Testament, he talks about our quiver being full. He's talking about having lots of children. We are hopefully on this journey raising kids that are heirs in the hand of God that He allows us to raise for a season. And I pray that we point them heavenward and that they travel for the glory of the King. That's the message for this day, that we can help the next generation pass on to the next generation, to the next generation, the faithfulness of the Almighty King. He is God. His name is Jesus. And He is above His church this morning.
Is he above your life? So right now, I'm just going to invite you to bow your heads with me and give your heart to the king. There could be people today that don't have Christ as Savior and Lord. So over at the cross, we have pastors and we have elders and we have people that just want to aid you in your spiritual decision. Maybe to give your heart to the Christ. Maybe to deal with an issue in your life. To find strength and comfort. Maybe a prayer warrior. I just invite you right now in the quietness of the moment to slide over here quickly. They won't detain you long. They're just there to help you. Lord, I thank you for this series on parenting. For C.S. Lewis said, to live in time is to change, but time is change. God, change us from glory unto glory as we sit under the Word of God. Help our children, Heavenly Father. Help our grandchildren grow into the image of Christ and to build a legacy. For this morning, Father, we give our kids to you again. May they have wings to mount up and soar for the honor of your name. Thank you, mighty God, for meeting with us. We're humbled by your presence. Melt us, O oh God, until we meet again. Our strength, our Redeemer, in Jesus' name. Amen.